Hello Rebels, before we kick off today's episode, let me ask you a question. What if we could help you unlock your marketing superpower in one day or less? Actually, to be precise, I mean three hours. Yes, you heard it right. What I'm asking you is three hours of your time to join us for a brand new intensive experience on Marketing Deep Dive. One day masterclass that will help you create marketing strategies that capture hearts and mind. And every single masterclass is going to dive deep into one of our favorite topics of marketing. Maybe that email marketing, hiring, or even automations and beyond. If you want to get the fast track ticket to become irresistible, then I suggest you check out our upcoming marketing deep dive, where you're going to get two hours of hands-on training with lots of exercises and practical group work as well. Plus one hour bonus office hours and Q&A. Oh, and we also have a personalized dashboard and bonus templates to help you apply what you learn in our three hours. And just to put a little bow on it, you also get a certificate of completion to show up wherever you can see. If you'd like to find out what is coming up next and which one is our next marketing deep dive, all you have to do is go to amschool.click slash masterclass. There you'll be able to find our schedule with our upcoming masterclass for you to join. On with today's show. Ever felt lured by that flashy new marketing tool or strategy? Fancy a break from their relentless quest for efficiency? Well, guess what? You are in luck. Today, we're diving deep into the exciting world of marketing traps, Super Mario creativity, and classes in session once again. I am absolutely buzzing to introduce you to the maestro of marketing power-ups and our main man for the day, Ramley John. He's not just the content director at UpQs and the brain behind the best-selling book product-led onboarding, but also the bloke who's got giants like Microsoft, Ubisoft and Mixpanel nodding along to his wisdom. Pretty cool, huh? From unearthing the mystery of the just-in-time experiments to cracking open some of his favorite tactics. Ramley's got a treasure trove of knowledge to share. Fancy a sneak peek into his content framework, or perhaps a deep dive into identifying who's your real competitor. Today we've got you covered. Let me ask you one more question. How often do you schedule a strategy session with yourself? Grab a cup of coffee because you might want to start right after this. Strap in and let's roll with Ramley John. when you have too much gear for your own good i find that when you right. when you you know when you host a podcast then i'm italian so i'm stereotypically moving my hands all the time <laughs> and my microphone still is not in the right position to allow me to move them how i wish to so every so often i'm like are you okay and then the microphone can just start jumping up and i'm like not okay i like it okay. yeah <laughs> It's literally kind of like where where I live. So I'm always happy to kind of figure out where is my setting. And actually, I mean, obviously, dear listener, if you are watching as well, this question is also for you. If you're not watching on YouTube, then Ramli will have to answer for us. I actually changed something in the setting. Let me just slightly move my head. Let's see if sure. we can figure out what have I added today. What have I added today? Can you see it? Oh, Mario, look at that. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. We've got Mario and Yoshi came today. Their guest. 
get speakers as well. They won't talk too much, I'm afraid. Uh, they guest presencing. And the story goes that when we met uh, last, actually the week before recording, we met, and uh, we were talking about things and I was asking about the power-ups so you can tell us a bit more about the origin story of that. And obviously it's kind of tied to Mario and then I was talking about the obsession that my husband has with anything related to Super Mario. And so, so because a baby ain't no liar, I thought I actually brought up some evidence of the madness so that goes good. around. I like it. <laughs> They're so cute. So tell me about your obsession with Mario. Tell me about actually, yeah. let's say, your passion. Also how yeah. it inspires as well some things about the marketing power-ups too. Yeah, I mean, I've even earlier I have a younger brother named Mark, and that's what we played. We played Super Mario Kart, Super Smash Brothers. Yeah, dude, we just were so obsessed with like playing this together and trying to beat each other. And I have to admit that my younger brother is like better than me than in Super Mario Kart, which is just so frustrating because like that goes against every law in humanity where the eldest should always be the winner. <laughs> But, you know, I, I just kid, but, like, I think that's... I've always saw, seen that when you pick up, like, a power-up, like, a star. You become, like, on a different level. That's how I tied, tied it back to, to marketing power-ups, which is a show and newsletter that I have. Essentially, like, how do I help and level up other marketers through through the show and sharing, like, uh, other people, other marketers, like, power-up that they've helped, whether that's a framework or cheat sheet or like some kind of tactic that they've applied in their own marketing uh, and sharing that out to other marketers so that they can, you know, become from little Mario to big Mario that can spit fireballs is the idea. Just be careful with the mushrooms. That's all I'm yeah. going to say. Just beware of the mushrooms, which I don't know. What do you think would the mushrooms be in marketing? If we were to use an analogy, what do you think the mushrooms would represent for us? And the mushrooms, the thing that makes it grow, um, Mario get bigger. I, w I would... Because it depends on, I mean, this is like a cop-out a little bit, but like understanding your customers better. You know, that's like such a tweetable, like cookie cutter slash fortune cookie tweet. Understand your customers better. But I think when people deeply understand what that means, and like deeply understand their customers, knowing what they say and how they say their problems and their solution, and then using that in your copy, in your website, your email, just makes it so much <laughs> you know i think that's totally like uh the next level power up and reverse then i love that i obviously we're big fans of that anything about understanding our audience because i think marketing to hearts which is what we teach is really about that you market to hearts when you understand the deep mm. needs and also what is relatable to your customers so i love that but what about I think it's like a carnivorous plant. Is that what you would call them? What about the evil plants? I'm sorry. Yeah, like evil my... plants. Evil plants. <laughs> you know what plants. you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. Oh, man. I would say, what is the evil plant in marketing? Uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just marketing in general. But chasing, chasing the shiny new things, I think, could be like a trap for a lot of um, marketing where like, we want to see what's next and how do we capture our audience, uh, attention and the new channel, the next new channel. You know, when perfect example is when uh, Clubhouse came out, if people are remember, even remember what that is, where people can like listen to shows and people are like, if you're not on Clubhouse and you don't have a strategy for that, your marketing is dead. And now where's Clubhouse, you know, <laughs> and the same thing's happening with threads where like everybody should be on threads. You should have a thread strategy and you should have a TikTok strategy and you should have this strategy and you should have an AI strategy. Like, 
whoa. <laughs> like, I think that's just the, the, the trap that we, we marketers sometimes fall. So I have that same problem. I like the shining breath. Another marketer, Asia Orangio, she's the founder of Demand Maven. You should have her on the show, but she call it the VSO, the big shiny object syndrome, the BSO syndrome. It's so good because like, I think that's a, a danger and we need to keep ourselves aware and sometimes ask ourselves, is this what's right for us, for our customers and for our product? And if it's not, then maybe we should do it later. Or maybe not do it at all either. Or do it I at mean, all. Yeah, exactly. You, know, <laughs> you, you mentioned some of those platforms where you're like, should I really be on this right now? And I think it's so important that you mentioned that because over the past um, a time of coming out, we'll say six months, you have to kind of put my little time traveling hat on. I don't know what it would look like, but it would be a really cute hat. Uh, so if I put in that on and say, by the time of actually this episode coming out, we've been talking more than one episode in our roundups about the quality of where we show up and like choosing less platforms and better and why depending on the co-host that I was talking to it was either because we're tired or we're exhausted or because we just want to do things better or because we just want to be what we enjoy and I want to hear your opinion as well because I think this conversation is not just again at time of recording I think even when this episode comes out it's going to be so relevant because we personally again me and like Emma and Jess has co-hosts we also, as a shift, a slow shift, whether you're a creator, whether you're a marketer, whether you're even like a business owner, we've seen that we're kind of being a bit more selective. And now that we're jumping on something and we see it doesn't work, I think there's a lot less pressure for us to keep on trying and beat that horse, so to speak. And, you know, what what do you think? Because it's, um, it's been a conversation coming back again and again and again. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree. I think that there is moments where... The old advice that I struggle with is like focus on a few things great. <laughs> and then like when you double down on that, when you already have systems in place to to get that ball rolling and automate it or to delegate it, it's like when you start exploring, my challenge is like, let's try it all. You know, let's. Get, I want to be on TikTok. I'm like creating vertical videos and I want to get on Instagram and I want to get on this. I want to get on YouTube. I want to get on... The challenge is like, that's a great way to deplete your resources. And when I say resources, it could also be your energy, you know, when, when people burn out, like, I think that's the real danger of that, that approach rather than like, you know, be good at, be great at a, a few things rather than be okay at a, many things. It's one of those things that I read a while back about what is your red flag about social, being a social media manager that was, but what's your red flag about being a social media manager and why is that the sentence jack of all trades or jack of all trades? And it made me laugh because I think it's a bit of a misconception that especially maybe people that are looking for support from marketers put upon them as in like, yeah, you must be able to do everything. And it's like some creators, marketers, social media managers can create the content, write the content, schedule it and all these things. But we also need to appreciate that depending on what you need, the scope of the work that you need, you cannot expect somebody to become a podcast producer while they're also a social media manager, while they're also a marketer. And I think it's like conversations that have been had. And I don't know, I mean, I'm going to save you the time if not. I don't know if you actually went through some of the latest Upspot reports because they're lovely, but they're dense. One of the most interesting ones was about the state of marketing, customer success and sales. But something that came back again and again when it came into that one, which I talked before on the podcast as well, is that marketers currently are juggling up to nine campaigns at a time, regardless of whether you're agency or solo. Nine. 
So how can we expect, as you say, like that level of quality, the level of understanding, the level of, of commitment, if you're doing nine different things at the same time, and as you say, you don't have the systems or the delegation for it. I think it's, it's a bit understated, actually, how many things we do as marketers, especially when we work with others as well. That's totally true. I think those juggling, I think especially with this year where like a lot of companies are focused on efficiency and efficiency is like, how can we get our people to do more with less, which is, I think, unhealthy, definitely unhealthy. A better approach would be like, let's talk about efficiency. What can we not stop doing right now so that we can focus on a few things as a team rather than like, Let's continue doing what we were, but with less people in our team, <laughs> like without hiring freelancers, you know, just us. And I think it's a recipe for disaster that nine things. Wow. You actually gave me gold. So I did have a dance break, which happens very often when I get excited. So you said a couple of things that really made me happy because I think one of the things that I'm very passionate about, one of the things that we teach in the school and even with the show and everything we do is that there are so many skills. I'm going to talk about some hard skills and some hard tactics because that's what you do as well. But just one more note about soft skills, one more note about the most undertapped skills that I keep talking about again and again and will forever, like curiosity, creativity. How can you ask a marketer to be curious and creative and make the time for that if we're drowned in tasks, work, and as you say, that efficiency is finding that balance between, yes, appreciating doing things smarter and be more effective. But then, I don't know, I find that curiosity is what really can make lots of marketers great because we're willing to try things, see how they work, like adapt, and maybe experiment. And it's hard to do that when you don't have the time to even just open your email and not want to cry, you know? I think we should take care of our our curiosity and cherish it a bit more because it's a big, big asset as well. Totally. You know, I got a chance to ta- chat with Eddie Schleiner. He's the founder of Very Good Copy. And it, he really like hones in on this, the importance of, of breaks, you know, like taking breaks because creativity is born when you connect the dots and you connect the dots when you let your brain work in the background. And that could mean like going out for a walk over... Working marketers with like too many things is how you suck out creativity from from people and suck out that, you know, what is new and what's next and like having the foresight to see any problems. I think it's important to let them, I guess I call it marinating ideas, (laughs) you know, marinating when you marinate chicken, you know, or you... You let yeah, it taste better. And I think that's true for a lot of things too, including marketing. Food analogies, win. Absolute <laughs> win. I'm really happy. That makes me really happy. I can live with that. Again, it's, as you say, is that, going back with analogies, that simmering element. And I, I love what I actually mentioned, how, how you explained it as well, that connecting the dots and kind of finding that space for that and reclaiming that. I'm obviously, as the dear listener will know, if you're a loyal listener, I'm very passionate about that too. So well, I, I absolutely love that. Now, obviously, you talk a lot about frameworks and tactics, which makes me really happy also because our questions, the main question in class in session, which we're now on, is really about, I know, I know, it sounds more daunting than it is. I would love to hear from you one thing that you can teach our students and listeners in one minute or so that is related to what you do or your expertise. Yeah, I mean, I want to share this framework that I learned actually when I was a a part-time professor at a college here. It's how you teach your students to apply a concept. It's called the tell, show, do. 
framework where it can also help you create content that's more actionable and help inspire your your readers to do the next step. Uh, so the first step is tell. Telling is about like sharing a problem or telling the audience exactly a solution. So here's a problem, here's a solution. You just tell it. The next part is show. Show is about don't just tell the solution. Show examples of what the best looks like. That could be, you know, here's a great example of a way to solve debt problems or overworking problems. Uh, here are some practical tips that you would have. I think the very last one is what separates good content from great content that's actionable is the do part. This is where you provide resources and templates and next steps to help apply now those concepts to people's lives and, and workflows. So that, that could be like a checklist or you can provide a template. A great example of all of this applied is if people are not aware of Emily Kramer, she writes a great newsletter called Marketing One on Substack. For her subscribers who are paid, she provides like not just examples of images of like what great marketing copy looks like in one of her pieces. She also shares like here's a Figma file that you can download right now of like an ideal perfect landing page with things that you can fill out. I think that's like really, really valuable. This is just a great way to think about it when I want to make content more actionable and, and more helpful. First tell, then I show examples, then I provide resources that so that users can can do and apply it as quickly as possible that is such an important breakdown of how to actually educate even if again in some ways it's also inspire but also educate your audience and kind of give them the next steps and i can vouch for that even if i had no doubt that it would be definitely valid the reason why i'm vouching for that is because that's how we build every single workshop that we do but especially the certification ones and they're 90 minutes actually the two hours so our graduates will know that they are long, but we get to the end, people are like, this was fun. This didn't feel long. And it's because going back to what you just mentioned, so I just want to highlight it again. There is an element of obviously the showing element, oh, sorry, the telling element, sorry. But we keep it relatively short because I always want to have then the showing is like the I do, we do, you do. That's uh, from West Cal, from Maven. That's how she taught it to us as well when we were kind of creating it. So a similar concept, and because you want to actually cover these different elements, I find that naturally you will take a bit less time to do the telling part or the I do part. And this is where, sadly, people get lost or people, a lot of people might like that, but they need the other elements. And so because you kind of want to make sure that you cover all of it, you take less time about very, very bloated bullet points or endless kind of text and stuff and just giving really get to that point. And I think... It's also a great representation of the newsletter. Shout out to the newsletter, which we'll talk about for sure at the end too. But I like the fact that within that, you have an application with the templates that you offer and the cheat sheets. There's also the breakdown of things. And obviously there's some of the examples from the people that you feature as well and the people on the show. I think it's just a way to elevate content. I'm not going to say, I'm going to say we love, but I think quality of content is changing the way that if you want to be an educator in your space or around those lines, which you don't have to be, but if you want to, is no more about this is what SEO is. Because on a surface level, people know, and the problem is not knowing about it, is understanding what is the next step that I can do to actually make it work for me. So I think this is a great framework to help you when you're creating content that maybe wants to answer those questions. So I absolutely love that. But I have a follow-up question now, which is more about, in general, the frameworks and the tactics, especially the ones that you shared as well, because I love that they're actionable. 
and I think that we took a lot in the show and in general as a school about trying these experiments. But I already can hear my lovely students in my head being like, Feb, but time. So what would be your, you know, if somebody came to you, the objection is like, I love what you do, I love what you're sharing with me, but I ain't got time to do any of it. Or how do I choose what to try? Because even trying a tactic in our experiment takes time. So how could you help somebody find the structure to try tactics, frameworks and experiment and actually not have an endless list of bookmarks or save things in their notion, basically? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I'm a big fan of like just in time, I call it just in time learning, but just in time experiments. What is like the most pressing problem right now that I need to, to tackle and like focus on, on that? Like what is the experiment I think will apply to that? I know there's like a bunch of like prioritization frameworks that are out there. Sean Ellis, the founder of Growth Hacker, I think he has one called RACI or prioritization. If people just look up prioritization framework, I'm sure I think he uses the ICE framework where it's like you look at three things, impact, how much do you think this experiment will impact this problem? And then confidence. How confident are you with your your solution? Like, how confident are you that you're able to execute this experiment? Have you done it before? Do you have any expertise? And the last one is around ease. ease where, like, is this, like, an easy thing that you can just pull off? Or will it require developers and designers and 1,000 hours of code? And based on those three factors, you can, like, force rank those experiments that will sol solve those problems. I think that's an easy way to any kind of prioritization framework for you would be, for people would be super important. I think that's something people need to think about even before they start thinking about experiment is like, how will I choose which experiment to run? What will be the factors? ICE is one of them, but if you just list off for yourself, is it, is your limitation money right now? Or is it your limitation like time where you need to get this solve as quickly as possible? Uh, what is the limitation you have on your your end and use that as your forcing function as to to figure out what experiment would work best at that specific time frame for you so i think that's how i, I would think about it great framework actually the eyes and i the bit about confidence and ease also resonates a lot obviously impact i would almost assume and it makes a lot of sense but i was like great and then i was like oh, wait a second yeah that confidence but especially that ease piece i think is something that we sometimes forget about because we get excited and one other thing that I would say, and there are some great frameworks, especially this one that you mentioned, once you understand how you want to go about it, my other suggestion, I've been writing a book called Reclaim Your Time Off, that's how I think, basically. I think also about understanding how to work with our time and if experiments are a priority, which I would recommend exploring as part of your priorities, because whether you use them as case studies you can talk about, which I personally love, and shout out to my friend Kevon always talking about building in public, so we know that it will love that too. But even if you just use them as examples for your content, whatever it is, is making that time and blocking that time to, as you say, making the choice with some of the examples we provided, and then go back and see if it worked and if it didn't. And it takes so much discipline because we do it with our students in our student community, and I have to be the one that hits record on my loom and just talks about what I've done. And by starting to do that, I actually motivate myself then choose the next experiment to jump into but if I didn't do that I probably would just try it do it and then move on without really reflecting as much so I just want to say actually making that time and booking that time it's a very understated step within the process as well I personally find at least 
totally. I think making that time is like super important to think through things and execute on. Thinking about time. Can we think of a time or or I like that. A tactic. <laughs> See? She's bringing it in. Yes, baby, she's running it in. Thinking about time. Was there a time that you can think of a tactic or a strategy or framework? that you've learned from someone else and obviously can even be from the power-ups because I don't know how you talk to so many people about so many things. Or maybe another one that really stood out from you from somebody that they shared with you recently. I would say I'm trying to bring up once right now. Maybe I have some recency bias, like some of the recent episodes that I've had could be interesting. But what's really stuck with me would be around this this conversation I had with April April Dunford. She wrote this whole book around product positioning, but she's writing a new book around like sales pitches, which is not a very marketing thing, but it applies so well where she looks at like four things that you you know people need to to take a look at when they want to make sure that they create content or create pitches that connects with people so well. And it's really about those four things, which is first you want to have like a really strong marketing insight, like what is your hypothesis around this market? Then you want to look at the alternatives that are out there. Then third is around like the gap. What is like something that the competitors are missing that's not fitting into that specific insight that you have? And the last is around value, which is like how will your features and benefits allow you to be unique than those competitors? The reason why this is top of mind, you know, at AppQs where I work out full-time as content director, we are going through this phase where, you know, we are kind of in a repositioning phase where we're trying to figure out exactly for people not where AppQs is like an easy way for people to create onboarding experiences. So that's why this is top of, top of mind for me. What would you say would be one piece out of this that will really speak to marketers, even marketers maybe don't fully understand or are not as familiar with, especially the positioning piece, because I think that can be something that some marketers that are not in that space or in some of the industries that kind of focus on that a bit more might still be a bit lost to relate to that, if that makes sense. Yeah, I would say if there was one takeaway from this, it's like deeply understanding like what makes your product differentiated or different from your competitors is what you know you want to really understand. I think often as marketers, we, we don't like dig deep into that, but like even listening to a few sales calls and hearing some of the objections that people have, like for us, we use Gong here. Some of the objections that, that prospects have is super valuable to figure out exactly what are people comparing our products to and you might be surprised because like we often think like our product is compared to another product but like often it's just spreadsheet you know or like an intern their competitor your competitor is an intern like somebody you know they hired an intern or they use spreadsheet or they do nothing could be a, another example of a competitor or like apathy and no decision is actually something that you need to think about and really understand Listening to those few sales calls is a great way to go going back to the, our first conversation, deeply understanding your customers is get a chance to take a peek at how people are talking about their problems and how they're describing the solution and who you, who are you, they comparing you to and why did they not or did they choose you over the others? Like what are some things that they chose that over in 
think weaving that into our, our marketing campaigns or our email, our website, in our ad campaigns would really deeply like, you know, help, you know, share to the world where using their words in, in those in that copy. It's such an understated shift as well. And it kind of reminds me of my conversation with Amanda and Timidan about jobs to be done. So Amanda mentions jobs to be done in our episode together and kind of explaining what that means. And it's almost like reminding us that obviously the job that our customer has for our, pro- for our product or our service might not be the one that we think we had. And it goes back to that, just like the job, the competitor or the alternative to what we do and who we are might actually not be what we think it is. I can see that now in copy and in messaging of a lot of really cool brands where, you know, they are the alternative to something that maybe you wouldn't expect. And I think we're so used to as marketers, especially like just a little pop quiz. Ramli, then you can answer as well, but we're going to give a couple of seconds for the listener as well to answer. I'm going to give you three examples and I want to see both you and the listener what you think, what comes into your head. If I say Coke... And I'm talking about, you know, like kind of almost like a street fight sort of fight, right? We've got Coco in one corner. Who will be in the other corner? Pepsi. Excellent. Yeah. Well done. If I say Microsoft. Yeah. Apple. Awesome. Look at that. Two on two. Last one. McDonald's. McDonald's. Burger King. Is that right? Yes. Oh, I was going to say Wendy's at certain places, you know, it'll be like Wendy's. <laughs> Depends on where you are as well. That's actually yeah, very true. true. That's yeah. very true. But it kind of shows, especially like Pepsi and Coke, we didn't even buy Annihilator. And even Microsoft and Apple. And I think it's a great reminder of some of what we know and we teach it as well because it's important to know some of the basics of some of the marketing messaging, how we align it with the, you know, that competition that actually is well known and accepted by two brands that it kind of becomes the friendly rivalry. And I think that's a really great proof of. You know, some of these are the old school way of thinking and some of the kind of very ingrained ones. But Coke and Pepsi have been going on for such a long time. They've been exposed to so many examples and they use it themselves. And because of that, I think in a way also got into our head that our competitors tend to be other brands that do what we do. I think all these great examples also just started to wire our brain to look at things like that. And as you say, it's almost stepping back and being like, wait a second, who is the first? What is the first solution that my customer or my audience thinks? Mm instead of me i think this is yeah. a much better question and thank you for bringing it up as well i totally love that in mcdonald's like their competitor might necessarily be like when i'm thinking about mcdonald's if i had to choose between mcdonald's and something else i would choose like making my own sandwich <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know like buy the ingredients i think mcdonald's thinks about that a lot where like how do we like make this a better experience so that cooking at home is like subpar <laughs> you know like how can we make that experience i think that's something that um people don't think about as well where you know your competition is not your competitors it's what people are not doing or doing based on rather than choosing you over them essentially great reframing yeah yeah and i totally agree i'm, I'm with you on that and I also find, I also think it makes it less daunting sometimes. First of all, refreshing when you learn that, but also less daunting when it comes to you having to approach then having to think about your competitors and being able, as you say, to kind of frame things in a different way, which I think is a lot more fun. And the final question from class in session, we're going to slightly switch gear, but I think we talked about a lot of things at the beginning that were also related to just, you know, as marketers and as people, how to enjoy more, make more time and 
and just not fall under the trap of shiny object syndrome. So the final question I have for you is actually, what is something that you have unlearned recently? And how did it improve the quality either of your work or even your life? I think, uh, you know, this is something that, that I've been doing for for several years now. I think it goes back to what we've discussed earlier, where, you know, finding your pockets of, of creativity and really focusing on that when like when is my energy the highest? And for me, like mornings are my energy of peak. So that's when I create the most. And I block that off in my calendar. I would say, hey, this is my creative work or work session. And I, you know, people can try to book through that. If it's important, they will, they'll ask me. But I think finding out when you're more in your creative zone, where you're able to create and work and write and, you know, write copy or write that email or schedule something would be when. For some other people, it's at night. For some people, it's in the morning. But, like, value that time because anywhere else, something takes you, like, five minutes during your creative zone, it will take you, like, an hour in a creative zone. You know, for me, after lunch, I'm tired. I think the other thing around that is, like, I tend to, like, block off my Mondays. So that's when my, my planning and thinking days one thing that I've learned from my, from my previous boss, Wes Bush from Product Led, is like purposely schedule like once a month. It's called like a strategy session where like you schedule an hour or two on your calendar, it's blocked off, and you would just sit there and think about what would the next month, three months, and six months look like. And you just envision. Because like we don't allow ourselves often enough in our busyness to like envision exactly what our marketing work can look like if we had the deliberateness to to think about it rather than just like to go through the motion and become busy for the sake of being busy and really like come up with fresh, new, exciting ways. During that time, I, I tend to find time to like connect the dots, like bring in things that I'm watching on YouTube or TikTok or, you know, eating out. Like what are things that I can bring in to my work that would make it different per se? An example of something that, that we're working on right now that I saw another company do really well is like, it's called AppCuse Challenge, where like we're challenging our users, like weekly challenges to to do more within the product to increase their engagement. And I saw another company do that, Mutiny, where they had a March Madness Challenge, which I was like, that's so G. <laughs> so we're trying to tie it back to back to school, educate yourself, educate your user kind of thing. So like, I think finding time to like de deliberately create creative work during your day but as well as during the month like when can you find time pockets of time to really think about what the future looks like and you know bring your creativity uh, juice to it would be important that i've learned that's great i mean i know that we cannot all do the bill gates thinking week where we just literally went <laughs> off in a cabin for a week i think this is a great alternative right. to Thank that you. for yeah. being realistic and down to earth so i'm i'm all i'm all down to that and i I like to be able to create that space for myself and we even do it with our students because I find that, as you say, like we know that we should do it, but then there's always something else. And even I think if you can be diligent and disciplined that I should block the time and do it is great. And for the people that need a bit of help, it's always nice to have that accountability too. So great advice as well. Thank you so much. Now is less about reflection and it's more about quick fire. So it's going to get hot in here. 
uh, little fireballs of Mario's between high <laughs> okay. things. You know, let's do it. <laughs> Showing really my knowledge here. Sorry, everybody. Okay, we're gonna have two options. You're gonna tell me which one you wanna keep. We're gonna have a couple of rounds. Ready, steady. Sure. Spotify playlist or podcast? Uh, I would say podcast. Voice note or text? Voice note or text? Text. Carousels or reels? Oh man, reels. More fun. <laughs> <laughs> whole man because of both or whole man because there is no way the carousels will make it to the list? Let's do the second one. Carousels won't make it to the list. <laughs> <laughs> so this one might be a, a tricky one then. Uh, TikTok or YouTube? I know you mentioned oh, both. So. Oh man. Like in terms of watching or creating? Okay, yeah, I love that. Sometimes when people struggle, we go back to that. We'll go first for consumption and okay. then for creation. Okay. All right, consumption is YouTube. Yeah. I think creating, I think uh, TikTok's more fun. You get more likes. <laughs> that dopamine hit, everybody. Yeah, you get more views. We live for it. Yeah. <laughs> newsletter or X? Oh, man, newsletter. X is all over the place right now. It's called X, like of all things. <laughs> what the heck? Just, you don't know what's going to be called next next month. It'll be called Z. I'm not sure. <laughs> going to go through the whole alphabet now from X. I know, and then right. Gonna coming all back up. Don't give ideas. Don't give ideas. They're going to pick them up. You, you got to be careful. Um, last but not least, drum roll in my head at least, memes or GIFs? Oh, man. I would choose memes. Oh man, I like gifts too. This is hard. <laughs> meme gifts. No, I'm just joking. If I had to choose, I would say memes, yeah. You know what? You're saying you're joking, but people found the loophole. You know, the first one that like memes. somebody kind of cracked the loophole and was like, well, I mean, we're gifting it. And I was like, mm, okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll allow it when people find the loophole. So if any, future, if any future speaker listens to this, they know about the loophole, you can use it if you like both. I That's am funny. A, I love both. I know, right? I love both, but I'm a gift girl, so there will always mm. be a gift waiting for you on the other right. side of an email. Not always, but often. So I preemptively apologize to anybody that will see lots of them coming through. But thank you so much. Well done. Before you leave, though, I'm going to give you a power-up. A power <laughs> see, even better. I'm going to give you a power-up before you leave. Ramley, you have the power, just for right now, to broadcast one message onto everybody's phone. What would that be? Okay, um, a call to action, is that it? Is, I just want to, yeah, okay. It can be any message. Any message you want to send to people's phones. Any you got message one... I want to sure. send to, uh, okay, if I, if I can send one message, I'd be like, you're doing a good job. <laughs> I would say that. I think often we miss out. I, I hope that's the right, like, I hope that's what you're going for instead of like, there's no wrong answers. There honestly no wrong yeah, answers. I, I mean, people can go job. for the, I think sometimes, the even for, yeah, even for me, like, I'm, I compare myself to other people who are like far ahead of me and be like, oh man, they're so much better. But I think sometimes like that destructive self-talk is like, you're, you're doing, you're doing all right. You're doing good. It's important. Oh, thank you. And you did great. I'm so grateful that you were here. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Not a problem. And if people want to know more and check out, Power ups, where should we direct them? They can um, check it out, marketingpowerups.com. They can also find me on LinkedIn, Ramley John. I've been creating more content there. I think those are the best place. I think if people just Google my name, Ramley John, they can find me. 
Thank you so much, Ramley. I hope you got lots of power-ups and lots of tactics, team. Until next time, class dismissed. Thank you.